John chapter 5. Verses 2. Now the Bible says there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Somebody said Bethesda. And it had five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of important folk, of blind, of halt, without waiting for the, movement, for the moving of the water. And from an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And the Bible says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity, 38 years, 38 years with infirmity. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been now longer time in that case. And he said unto him, will thou be made whole? And the impotent man said, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, sir, when I am coming. Another steppeth in before me. And Jesus said unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, the Bible tells us, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked on. The same day was Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. 38 years a man has been infirmed. He has been sitting by the pool of Bethesda. He does not have ability in his own self to get into the pool when the, the angel stirs the water and healing takes place. I believe when the Bible says that there were all kinds of people. Some of us focus on this one man, but there were many people there. The Bible says there were blind people, there were sickly people, there were lame people, there were crippled people, there were withered people. There were all kinds of people. That's a representation of all manner of disease, all manner of problems. All manner of challenge, all manner of attack, all manner of disembeblement. Anything that you know would destroy a man. This, you can imagine, just imagine a pool. Put it in your head for a moment and think beyond the words that are written today. And think you're sitting on a pool and there are all kinds of sick people there. What do you think is happening? There's probably a very funny stench around because they are withered men whose bodies are sick. There's probably even some with a normal body order because probably some of them dwelling there had spent countless days without what? Bathing, thank you. And probably some were hungry. And probably some also had relatives that were attending to them all of those years. And so they were seated there waiting for the angel to stir the pool such that when the water comes up, somebody falls in and then healing is immediate. And there's a man who has been there for 38 years. 38. Not two. Yes, that's a long time. It's a long time to be sick for two weeks. If you've been sick, you know what I'm talking about. But this is 38 years of infirmity. And there's a man at the pool. And Jesus comes to this man and tells him, will thou be made whole? And he says, yeah. But you see, sir, I'm here every time I want to get into the water. Somebody gets in. I think he looks at Jesus because he has both hands and legs and he thinks, you know what? I think this is the man to help me throw me in. Probably, you'll probably feel sorrow for me and wait along. Probably he did not even have anybody attending to him. And Jesus tells him, look, 
He's trying to show him a picture and tell him, I'm not the, that pool you're drinking from. I am the son of God. I am the resurrection and the life. So he goes straight to this man. And he tells him, rise up, take up thy bed and walk. And the Bible says what? Immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day, it was a Sabbath day. Now, I want to show you how funny the spirit of religion is. Because the Bible says, as it was Sabbath, there were Jews, therefore, that saw him. And they saw him that he was cured. The Bible says, he said unto him, that was cured. That means they saw that the man was cured. They saw. They saw that the man was cured. And then they said, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. In other words, with what is set upon us in precept and context, it does not matter how big the miracle is. The issue is that you're taking up your bed on a day it is not supposed to be carried. Why? Because it tells them in the Old Testament dispensation that on the day of Sabbath you shall not carry any burden. Now, that is relative. They go so literal into the understanding of the burden that for them even carrying a bed, a sick man who has been sick for 38 years, carrying that bed, showing victory that the Christ, the life of God has healed his body, it's none of their business. Their problem is simple. He is carrying a bed on the day of Sabbath. That means if that man was very legal, he's the kind who would have been on the bed and Jesus tells him, rise up, take up thine bed and walk. And I believe if this man was Jewish, deeply rooted in the Judistic teaching, he would say, but on the Sabbath we don't carry beds. But when you're tired sometimes, there's a way you start to forget certain things and only keep tuned to the voice and instruction that he has said. Do I have any tired man in the room? There comes a point when you get so tired that you don't care how, how it comes. Hey! As long as the Son of God has said walk, it does not matter what law has said. As long as the Son of God has said take up your bed and walk. This is 38 years of sickness. And look at the Jew. The Jew says, you are not supposed to carry your bed for it is Sabbath. Think about it. And there's another account of the same that happens again in Matthew 12, 9 and 14. The Bible says when Jesus was departed thence, he went into their synagogue and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, what man shall there be among him that when you have one sheep and it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, he not lay hold of it and lift it out. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbaths. Then said he to the man, stretch forth thine hands. And he stretched it forth and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a counsel against him. How that they might destroy him. Why? He has healed on the Sabbath. Think about it. They have ignored, they have ignored the, the miracle. They are ignoring the wonder working power of God. And they are going on and on missing words and moving their funny lips on Sabbath. They don't get it. 
Luke chapter 13 verses 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath again. And behold, there was a man which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. That means she was crippled. That The disease had crippled her body and, and made her so crippled and bowed that she could not lift herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And then he laid hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the rule of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work and in them there come, there come and be healed and not on the Sabbath as though they were healing. Hello? Was there any testimony of them healing? No. So why is he then quoting us lines? Why is he giving us the standard order of things he cannot even breathe a life into? Tell your neighbor, I hate religion. And the Lord then answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosened from this bond on the Sabbath day? You mean, if you can loosen your animal to go and drink water on the Sabbath, you mean the daughter of Abraham, the daughter of faith, it is, it is abomination for her to be loosed? From an infirmity that has hit her from 18 years. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is the thing about religion. He says they leave out the weightier matters of faith. And of the judgments of God. And of the law. There's something they don't, they don't get. The Bible says, For woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. He calls them hypocrites. For ye pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law of judgment, mercy, and faith. And this ought ye to have done and not have the others undone. That is the problem with religion. It leaves out the weightier issues. When a man is religious, he loses the picture of, he loses the, picture of the weightier matter in the issue. When a man is, is, is held by the spirit of the law, that man loses vision. He loses the precision of spirit to discern what is weightier, what is more important, what is more significant, what is of more depth, what is of more meaning. That is the challenge with the law. That is why we reveal Christ in the person of grace. Because when you hold yourself on the law, you leave out weightier issues. He doesn't get it that a woman born who has been sick for 18 years, Sabbath is not as important to her at that point because she might not leave for the next Sabbath. But they insist and say, no, he has healed on the Sabbath. And then you see them conspiring to kill Jesus. Why are they conspiring to kill Jesus? He healed on the Sabbath. Think about it. Think about it. They're conspiring to kill a healer. And yet themselves, their bodies are susceptible to disease. They will fall sick to one day and need the hand of this master. But they are willing to say, you know what? We would rather destroy him. Why? Because he is breaking the Sabbath. Newsflash, by the way, for those of you who honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a human day. It's not a human day. It's not in the day of understanding of the human being. Maybe let me be a bit technical now so you understand what I mean. One day 
to the Lord is as a thousand to men, isn't it? So if one day to the Lord is as a thousand to men, that means the way you calculate your days is not the way God calculates his days. In fact, the days of men were created on God's fourth day. Who has understood what I just said? On his fourth day, he created the days of men. He had already had another three days, which you cannot compute according to the years of men. But when he says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, and for days and years. Are you hearing me? And the next verse says, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And the Bible says, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule by the day and the lesser light to rule by the night. And he made the stars also. And the Bible says, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And the Bible says, and to rule over the day and to rule over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And so was evening and morning and were the fourth day. So on his fourth day, he made the days of men. Now, listen, on his fourth day, he made the days of men. Now, when he rests on the Sabbath day, he rested on his calendar of sevens. Not your days. Who has understood what I just said? He rested on his own calendar of days, not your calendar. Your Gregorian calendar. Which was invented a few thousands years ago. Yet the earth is older than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? A woman got a revelation, Ellen G. White. She said, anybody who doesn't honor the Sabbath is not going to heaven. Since when did salvation be so belittled to a day? Oh, listen. Good news. The Bible says salvation is through faith. Because if you say nobody who didn't honor the Sabbath will go to heaven. What if a man dies on Tuesday and he receives Christ on Monday before the Sabbath day? Doesn't he go to heaven? <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? You can never go back in history, even the calendar you're using. You'll ask anybody who honors the, the smile, the seventh day. You, you go through the calendar and look at the, the calendar they are using. You Google the calendar you're using. You're going to be amazed that the calendar you're using is not the oldest thing. It can't count from that particular day. So leave us alone. Hallelujah. Sabbath is Sabbath. It is rest. We which have believed have entered Sabbath. Sabbath is a state of the revelation in Christ. Not just one day of the week. For us, it's not one day. Oh, listen. Every day of the week, hallelujah, we are rested in him. It's our Sabbath every day of the week. We have ceased for our own, from our own labors. We don't labor, he does. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. But somebody say, ah, oh, but you know, you don't know what you're saying. You tell me what you're saying. You'll still not debate what I'm saying. You are in God's fourth day claiming a Sabbath. You don't know how many earthly years it took him to get to the seventh day. And probably for you, you think because night and day took place, your day is his day. <laughs> the Bible says night and day are the same before him. His day is different from your day. In the day of the Lord, it's different from the days of men. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
God has delivered religion from somebody just. But let's go deeper here. The Bible says you start to see them conspiring to destroy him. Now Jesus gives us the answer in Mark 2:23. Similar situation. I don't know what was wrong with these guys on Sabbath. If you're there, read with me. He says, and it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck ears of corn. And the Bible says, and the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? Why do they do on the Sabbath day? Why are they plucking ears of corn on Sabbath? On Sabbath day, you're not even supposed to go to the field. And Jesus is supervising them. And now these guys have a problem. Are you hearing me? And then Jesus said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and there was and was hungered? And he and uh, sorry, and, and he was hungered, he and they which were with him. The Bible says how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and eat eat of the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest, and gave also to them which were with him. He's trying to tell him, look. David did the same thing. Have you forgotten? You who is teaching the law. That David did the same thing. One time he became hungry. And then they went into the house of God. And then they accessed the showbread. And then he broke the showbread and ate it with everybody who was eating with him. Yet the law was very clear then that nobody was supposed to eat the showbread. Except priests like Apostle Grace. Praise God. And then he gives them answer. And he says, he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Listen, the literal translation is the day Sabbath was created for the benefit of man and man was not created for the benefit of the Sabbath. God has not created anything and man for, for him to be for the thing. No, God has created everything for the benefit of man. Who has understood what I just said? And that is why he says in the next verse, woo, he says, therefore, the son of man is Lord also on the Sabbath. He's Lord also on the Sabbath. That means there is nothing above his lordship. No day is above his lordship. No law is above his lordship. No principle is above his lordship. No feast is above his lordship. Hey, Mary wanted to honor a feast. It's probably, theologians believe it was a feast of Purim, where they were supposed to cook, right, for the rabbis, right? That's exactly what Martha was doing. Martha was obeying a feast. She went to cook. Are you hearing me? And then she sees Mary seated at the feet of the man. He said, Master, look at Mary. She has forgotten there is a feast. She has forgotten the order of the feast. Yet we are cooking for you, the rabbi. She gets it wrong. She thinks that because the man has come into his, her house on the day of the feast, therefore he, understand, he, he relates with her on the level of how she understands the feast. And God, Jesus tells her, Martha, this is the first time Jesus defines a woman troubled. <laughs> he told her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. And the next verse says that one thing is needful and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Yes, I know it's a feast of cooking for me, but it's not important for the feast. I'm Lord even on the feast. What I'm saying is more important now for the feast than your cooking for the feast. Are you hearing me? 
You know, religion has a way of putting things so above the lordship of Jesus. It has a way of qualifying and disqualifying people according to its own standard. Yet the standard of Christ is above anything. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now when Jesus says to them that the man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Man was not made for Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. It means man was not made to, for the benefit of the Sabbath. No, on the other hand, Sabbath was made for the benefit of man. Who has understood what I said? Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath. Means God cares so much about man that everything he has made, whether it's a law, whether it's a precept, whether it's a principle, whatever it is, it was made for man. For the benefit of man. But man was not made for it as though before God it is desired and adored than man. God loves people more than anything. God can break anything to get men. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 13. No. I think let's begin from 10. Okay, for some, for some of you, uh, for, from verses, let's begin with 12. Can we begin verse 12? Now, the Bible says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh his stand, take heed, list before. Now, I want to begin from 12 because th there's a picture I want to paint for you in the next verses. Now, the Bible says in the next verse, Therefore, there is no temptation that has taken you, but as such that is common to man. Are you hearing me? But the Bible says, God is faithful. Tell your neighbor, God is faithful. He says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to what? To bury. Now, you may ask yourself, he has begun from the point of let him who thinks he stand take heed least he fall. You'll ask yourself, does that mean that everybody is susceptible to falling? Here, he's talking about people who think they can stand in their own ability. Are you following what I'm trying to say? People who think that they can stand in their own potential. And he's saying if you think in your own brains, you can stand in your own ability. You can stand in your own self-control. You can self-control. Mama, you'll out-control yourself. Are you hearing me? But you see, when you understand grace, grace is the opposite of that. We don't think we stand because we have the ability to stand. No. We believe we stand because he gives us the ability to stand. The sufficiency is not of us. Somebody shout hallelujah. But he says, you, look, temptation comes and it befalls a man. And he says, you see, not temptation that is befalling you that is not common to man. That means what, there is nothing you're going through that somebody out there has never gone through. You know, sometimes we look so much at that scripture one fold, but sometimes I also want to open it for people who are always righteous, more righteous than thou. They have that attitude eh, of pointing fingers on, no, like that sister. You understand it? Chances are that you've been tempted in the same and even fallen of the same. 
There are many, many times people accuse others of the very things they've done. Do you understand what I'm saying? To be continued. But the Bible now tells us that God will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you're able to bear it. Why does he use the word able to bear it? It means it has never been in the mind of God for anything to be set before you that you can't overcome. It is not there. Even if you look at God has, oh, tell your neighbor, there is nothing in front of you that God has not created a way for you to come out of. God has not created anything to be hard for man not to have the answer he needs in God. He says, you cannot be tempted beyond that which you're able. He has, there, there is nothing he has put on the earth to test you that he has not given you the strength and ability to overcome. Now, let me explain. Some people get that scripture wrong. They mean to say that maybe if one sister is diagonized with cancer, and for them they are not, they mean to say that for, for them they are not diagonized with cancer because God knows they are not able. But the sister who is having the cancer, for her that one is able to overcome. This is not subject only to the situation through which somebody is going through. Because as long as you have flesh and blood, you are also exposed to the very thing anybody could have been exposed to. And could have suffered the same consequences anybody could have suffered from. This is a general mind of God to say. That there is nothing in the world that can come the way of a believer. That that man cannot overcome. In fact, there is nothing he has said that a man is not able to overcome. He didn't say only special people. No. You see, for you, some people say, you know for you, to show how, how much faith you have. Look at what you're suffering from. So, they exclude themselves to say, you know me, if God knows, God knows, if I got that thing, I would die. You understand what I'm saying? This is the reality of the truth. Every man at the sound of my voice, if you believe in the word of his grace, there is nothing you're not able to overcome. The Bible says that the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. Do you know what that means? It means that everything that you feel can destroy you. Your spirit can sustain. It can destroy it. There is nothing your spirit can destroy. When you understand that thing, you can't die of disease. You can't. It doesn't matter how much religion they speak out there. You can't die of disease when you understand that thing. Even scientists now have approved that scripture. They call it epigenetics. Go read about it. They say that sickness is in the consciousness of man. And that the human body can, with the right conscience, deal with anything. Anything. Now epigenetics is teaching. Something very old. Solomon knew before the defi their definition of epigenetics came. Read about it. Scientists are just waking up to something we have had for so many years. Now they are realizing that the conscience is a very powerful thing on the human being. Now they are studying on how men can heal themselves without disease. 
And now there's a huge war also with the pharmaceutical world because it is realizing that this field of study is going to kill their business because they survive by selling drugs. And then you also look at people and say, eee, I feel sorry for Peter. He's on drugs. You're also on drugs. You're also on drugs. For him, he smokes it for you, swallow them. Say in the name of Jesus, I claim divine health in Jesus' name. Not healing, health. Say not healing, health. In my bones, rakatatalabakoya. From the crown of my head to the soul. No virus, no bacteria, no rekete. Robo zibro kotelemando zekete. Sarabakoya. Give your neighbor a high five and tell him you smell divine health. Karerebo zekete reba baba katalabaya. Cerebro zeremando robo koshakata. Say it. Raba ramando zereke. Zakatetereba. They will say, that woman does not fall sick. What do you swallow? You tell them, Rinda, Raka, Shara. Brazerebo, Seketelebo. Ririko, Zibrolanda, Sekeheshekele. Roriba, Zakata. Rekebro, Sharamando. Sebru, Raka, Serere. Rubru, Zilelele, Koshalala. Tell your neighbor, I got the life which is of God in me. Tell him, I've got the life which is of God in me. Mean it. Tell him, I have the life which is of God in me. Hey! He says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. You just need to position your spirit. If you feel sick in your body, ask yourself where your spirit is. What is your spirit eating? What is your spirit feeding? What is your spirit listening to? What is your spirit commissioning? If he says the spirit of man will sustain his infirmity, it means it can sustain any You can eject it and say, mm-mm, mm-mm. It doesn't mean that sometimes you'll not wake up with lying symptoms. But you know some of you, the moment you, oh, I felt I couldn't breathe. So I went to the doctor. Go. Go and they check you. Maybe you might be saved by a miracle and then maybe, and then you reach there and then the doctor has told you, if you had not come in 15 minutes, you'd be dead. And then you sort of start testifying. Bananga, the Holy Spirit is good. Can you believe the doctors told me that they checked me at the right time? Listen, if you're the kind who they check at the right time when it was almost exploding, you are almost going to die. It just shows. It means the day a doctor is away. Ah, we shall read your obituary. Because that's where you are. Come up thither. Are you hearing me? Come up thither. Get to the level where you know whether a doctor is there or a doctor is not there. Thank God they caught it, yes. But even if they had not caught it, there is something inside me. There is a life inside me. You see, 
the Lord was telling me, he told me, you know why many of us, we don't testify of divine health? It is because we don't know how many things God has saved us from. Because we didn't see them. There is somebody near you who has coughed. <coughs> the influenza virus has bypassed you. You smelled it. And then it went. It, you say, oh, wrong, wrong house. It went to another. <laughs> Woo! Glory! But how do you react when somebody coughs? So, so <coughs> this. Oh, you send someone a message. Please, Asha, change my seat. There's somebody in my, next to me who is coughing. No. You say, bless you. Bless you. Bless you. I learned that from a wonderful man of God, Kenneth E. Hagin. Everybody will fall sick and the guy will be healthy. Everybody. He said, but what are you using? He says, I don't fall sick. I can't fall sick. It's not in me. I got the life of God in me. How can I fall sick? I cannot fall sick. Praise God. Hallelujah. I cannot fall sick. How can I fall sick? You know, he gets so shocked. I'm helping somebody that you'll walk in divine health that people will look at you and say, but what do you use? Hallelujah. Because they will see that you're healthy from Monday to Monday. Praise God. How many of you, when you got to know this message, you just realized your body stopped falling sick? Like you started to see that health came. Like, well, no, funny sicknesses don't come. Praise God. That's the power of the right word. When your spirit is in the right place. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter the attack. Your spirit will sustain. It will withstand any infirmity. I refuse to be sick. I said I refuse to be sick. I don't care. Listen, I don't care how bad the doctor said it is. About Uganda. No doctor is above Proverbs 18.14. No science is above Proverbs 18.14. God is the author of science. Somebody shout hallelujah. I claim divine health. And I plan to live long. In the mighty name of Jesus. So you see that even in, in the plan for man, he, create, he knew that in the creation and of the nature of, of mankind, he could not let any temptation to go beyond a man's ability to tame. God has not made anything to defeat you. He has not created anything with a mind for you to fail. Everything was created for you. The Bible says, for all things are for your sakes. All things are for your sake. You're not for all things. No, all things are for you, for your sake. He says, for all things are for your sakes. All things were made for your sake. All principles were created for your sake. All laws were set for your sake. Even the Sabbath was for your sake. It wasn't against you. You aren't for the sake of the Sabbath. You aren't for the sake of the thing. No. He says all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Not the failure of man. And he says for which cause we what? We faint not. 
Hallelujah. That's the only reason why nothing shakes me. Because I know everything is working for me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now in Hebrews 8, the Bible speaks of the excellent ministry you have obtained. He says, verses 6, he says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better premises. And you all know this. The next verse says, for if the first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sold for the second. Why did he put a second covenant? Because the first one had fault. And the next verse says, for finding fault with them, he said, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Why am I making a new covenant with them? Because I found fault with the men for whom I made the covenant for. I made the covenant for them. I didn't make them for the covenant. Hey. I made the Sabbath for them. I did not make them for the Sabbath. Did you get it? And the next verse says. Verses 9. He says. Not according to the covenant that which I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. You know why? He is saying I'm. I'm killing the Old Testament. I'm getting rid of the Old Covenant because they have failed to continue in it like their forefathers. So I'm making something new. Why? Because I can't make something that defeats them. I can't set anything that makes them fail. There is nothing God has created for you to fail. Can I go a bit deeper on that? I didn't create economies for the Christian to fail. I didn't build institutions for the Christian to fail. I did not start governments for the Christian to fail. I didn't start anything. There is nothing started on the, on the face of the earth that has positioned you as a believer to fail. And if you fail in it, he'll get rid of it and create something better such that he makes sure you succeed. But now you clap for Jesus. Did you get it? God has not intended for anything to fail in your life. So if the man is sick and the Sabbath is here, I would rather pause the Sabbath, heal my child, and then we continue with the Sabbath after the child is healed. Because there's a point where he gets and says, okay, Sabbath, I understand, but my son is sick. Institution, I understand, but my boy is troubled. Economies, I know, but the man of God needs land. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Yes, I know the political status is bad, I understand, but she needs a raise. God is saying, it doesn't matter how bad it looks, it doesn't matter the situation, he will pause anything. To get you in. Are you hearing me? Then when you're in, let it continue the way it wants. But there is no way he will lose the soul for you to fail because of the situation or circumstance. No law. Even when he saw that the law was killing men, he said, you know what, Jesus? Go fulfill it. At least fulfill it. Says that no man will deal with me 
rest on the Lord. Now he has become our righteousness, our redemption, our sanctification. He's our everything. When they talk about knowledge, Jesus. When they talk about your wisdom, Jesus. When they talk about your life, Jesus. When they talk about your strength, Jesus. When they talk about your wisdom, Jesus. Money, help everything. And he says, and in him, ye are complete. He says, ye are complete in him, which is the fullness of all things. He says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality. He, he, he is the head of all principality. When he says he's the head of all, the head, that means the supreme boss says, in me you're complete. Nothing can disqualify you. Nothing can disqualify you. you I don't care whether... You know, you might be here and you're not relating to what I'm saying because you have dishonored the integrity of his word to your situation. You know, you don't even know what you're talking about, Apostle. Do you know what I'm going through, darling? No temptation that has befallen you. That's, there is nothing you're going through now that somebody on this ground has not beaten. Whether you're talking of HIV, we have people here healed of HIV. Whether you're talking of cancer, we have people who have been healed of stage four. Whether you're talking of poverty, you, everything you mention, there's somebody on the same ground who has believed the same God and has overcome the same situation. Don't scare us. Tell your neighbor more than a conqueror. By Christ which strengthens me. Hey! The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And if we get to the level where the Sabbath cannot serve man or it cannot submit itself to the lordship of the son of man, then he would rather pause the principle of Sabbath to heal the man and then you continue with your Sabbath. Because to him it's more important that everything works together for your good. I mean everything. That's why we preach grace. It's not just the simple doctrine of, oh, righteousness imputed. That's good, but it's deeper than that. It's the appreciation and understanding that nothing you're in right now will defeat you if it's against you. Nothing you enter will be bigger than you're able to bear. He has promised. He will break anything. Anything. To get you to where you have to get to your destiny. You don't have to worry about what people say. What situations say. What circumstances say. There is nothing that was created. He says there is no weapon that is fashioned. No weapon that has ever been made. It is not there. There is nothing on the earth that was made to destroy you. It's not there. If it can destroy you, it's not there. If it can hold back your miracle, it's not there. If it can hold back your breakthrough, it doesn't exist. If it can refuse you to enter your next level in God, it's not there. There is nothing, me, I am conscious of this, that there is nothing that can fail. Nothing can, nothing. Not, that's how, Banangi, somebody, one time some guy said, give Fanero eight years. You don't need to give us eight years. Those are so many. Are you hearing me? Have you been 
around people who give others days. He gave him three. He gave, Mama, some man told people, that one in 2016, he will be dead. <laughs> he that become that good work in you. Hey, he will what? Yes, pastor. God didn't give you that church to fail. It will not fail. If you were called by God, he will make sure that he will provide everything you need for you to have the ministry you have believed God for. He did not put you at that job to fail. He did not put you at that business to fail. I said he began the work and he will see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He would not have started if he knew he was going to fail. By the way, God is too proud to see you fail. Have you considered my servant Job? He, he busts over you. Because he knows he's got it. Hallelujah. He knows he has your beginning to the end. He, I know God busts over you. Because he knows there is nowhere. The Bible says he'll keep your foot from dashing on the stone. But apostle, what of those who fail? They fail because their consciences are weak. And defiled. They think that they will fail. And as a man thinketh. So he is. If you think you will fail. You have already failed. Because you have you've, you've swallowed it in your system. Even when I think. Even when I sleep like this. I can't imagine failing. The other day. I wanted to type the word fail. I failed to spell it. My head told me I can't spell fail. I told myself. I just told myself, Apostle, you can't, you can't, you can't spell it. I failed. I deliberately wrote it. <laughs> when a man is tired, praise God. Get a pen. Write the word failure. You'll see that the letters will go the wrong way. It's no longer in your vocabulary. I do those things to myself sometimes. I write sickness and I find writing X, I, Y, N, E, S, and I'm like, e? I can't even. Yes. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. May those things get out of your vocabulary. May your mind start to meditate things higher, things greater, things of good report. If they have any good in them, he says, ye are complete in him. Think about it. Nothing lacking. Nothing missing. Tell your neighbor, I'm lacking nothing. I know you may not have capital, but you're lacking nothing. I know you might not have a job right now. But he said, ye are complete. Think about it. Ye are complete in him. But what if I don't have this? So what? Does that change scripture? The Bible says the scriptures cannot be broken. Nothing scares me. Nothing. Let me say it in Luganda. Give me a second to short wave. Now let me come back to English. 
I said it doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter whether it's day or night. It doesn't matter whether the deal went through. Or it, I go to myself and say, but I am complete in him. And he is the fullness that filleth all things. I am complete in who is the fullness. Eh? I am complete in who is the fullness. Let me encourage you. Even if you have a one-roomed house. That is just your beginning. Take photos. And say, I want people to believe in God. Finally. When you enter... When you go back to your house and you feel you don't like it, go take a photo of it. Then people will ask you, why are you taking a photo? He says, I want people one day to see because they will not believe where God is going to throw you. They will not believe what God is going to do in your life. Some things are best kept as record because... You know, there are some photos I have back in those days when we had begun the gospel. Hallelujah. And I remember the Ronnie Bukuru's in slippers. The, the Pastor Brian in shorts. <laughs> Whoa! Tell your neighbor, we come from far. But we believed. We believed. We believed. You look at your trousers and it's torn and it's a rakateli. Zakata, I didn't see. I didn't see. Greater is he which is in me than he that is in the world. Then you get to a certain place and then you check in your pocket and you don't have enough transport. And then you say, Are you hearing me? You start speaking in tongues. Then they find you walking and they say, Why didn't you board the taxi? You tell them, No, no, no. I wanted to speak in tongues. I wanted to be alone. Are you hearing me? Those days when you wake up and you're hungry and you have nothing to eat and you check your pocket and there's nothing. And then you tell somebody, You know what? I'm fasting. Tell your neighbor, I know who I am. Don't be deceived by my circumstance. This is temporal. I know who I've believed. There is nothing he has set on my life that should kill me. There is nothing ahead of me that is there to disturb me or destroy me. All things work together for the good, for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Sabbath was made for me. Has not made for Sabbath. The Son of God is still Lord on the Sabbath. He can break any rule to get you out. He can break any principle to break you out. He can break any ordinance to heal you. He will, and he will do everything to get you through. Why? Because you're not designed to fail. You're not designed to stay sick because it's Sabbath day. I'll kill Sabbath and heal you. I'll carry your sins so you'd not carry them. That's how much I love you. That's God. You came out your way. You sat down to speak. What amazing grace 
Come on, launch deeper. One more minute. One more minute. Sixty more seconds. Sababakata. Raba raba kota lava. Sabata kata lava. Zebra kata lava se. Rakata lava lava ya. Sakata lava lava ba. Selele lava. Raza lava lava lava. Sokota lava ba. Sabatolomo. Raba baba lava lava do. Sababa bara raba ba koste. Sabatelele. Raba sore baba mando. Sakada lele. Branda raba baba ba. Sakada lele. not able. He hasn't made it with the ability to overcome the power inside him. There is no covenant right now that he upholds and will fail you. No. Everything he has made and patterned and designed is for your success. It is not to keep you poor. It is not to keep you sick. It is not to keep you in bondage. You're more than a conqueror. That is why I decree upon your life that great days are ahead of you in the name of Jesus. That every path in front of you is made straight. That you shall not need to climb any hill or go down any valley that things will move so smooth for you. Because he who began that good work in you, he'll see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Everything was made for you. You are not made for that thing. You're bigger than any law or any principle that has ever lived. Because he loves you that much. And he will do anything, including healing on the Sabbath, to get you out. Because you are made fearfully and wonderfully you are his wonderful treasure you are his goodness you are his joy you are his fulfillment you are his image and you're his likeness things are going to be easy for you things are going to happen quicker for you and whatever looked like was bigger was impossible I speak to it tonight and tell it. The Son of God is still Lord even upon that situation. Even upon the laws that are against it. In the name of Jesus. Give him a mighty hand. Now if you're here and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You're going to repeat these words after me. 
Say, Lord Jesus, I have heard the gospel and with my heart I believe that you died and rose again for me. Tonight, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen.